This is day 132 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will be reading chapters 28 through 31 of Proverbs, and then we will begin Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Lord Heavenly Father, as we are nearing the end of this book of wisdom, may we not forget your wisdom as we depart from here. We know that all of your word was written for our instruction. We know that there is so much wisdom to be had, that we may not squander this opportunity to gain your wisdom and impact our lives in such a positive way. Lord, you want us to be continually improving and being sanctified closer and closer to your Son's image. And may we be participants in this, not refusing to cooperate with your plan for us. But Lord, may us crave and desire wisdom like our necessary food. Please bless the reading of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. By the transgression of a land, many are its princes, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, so it endures. A poor man who oppresses the lowly is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive with them. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked though he be rich. He who keeps the law is a discerning son, but he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. He who increases his wealth by interest and usury gathers it for him who is gracious to the poor. He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. He who leads the upright astray in an evil way will himself fall into his own pit. But the blameless will inherit good. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding sees through them. When the righteous triumph, there is great glory, but when the wicked rise, men hide themselves. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Like a roaring lion and a rushing bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. A leader who is a great oppressor lacks understanding but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. A man who is laden with the guilt of human blood will be a fugitive until death. Let no one support him. He who walks blamelessly will be delivered, but he who is crooked will fall all at once. He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished.
To show partiality is not good, because for a piece of bread a man will transgress. A man with an evil eye hastens after wealth, and does not know that want will come after him. He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. He who robs his father or his mother and says, It is not a transgression, is the companion of a man who destroys. An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. He who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, people groan. A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but he who keeps company with harlots wastes his wealth. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. A man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. By transgression, an evil man is ensnared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. The righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. The wicked does not understand such concern. Scorners set a city aflame, but wise men turn away anger. When a wise man has a controversy with a foolish man, the foolish man either rages or laughs, and there is no rest. Men of bloodshed hate the blameless, but the upright are concerned for his life. A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. If a ruler pays attention to falsehood, all his ministers become wicked. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. If a king judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. When there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. A slave will not be instructed by words alone, for though he understands, there will be no response. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. He who pampers his slave from childhood will in the end find him to be a son. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. A man's pride will bring him low, 
but a humble spirit will obtain honor. He who is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He hears the oath, but tells nothing. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. An unjust man is abominable to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is an abominable to the wicked. The words of Agur, the son of Jakeh, the oracle. The man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukal, Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. That I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Nor that I be in want or steal and profane the name of my God. Do not slander a slave to his master or he will curse you and you will be found guilty. There is a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. There is a kind who is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from his filthiness. There is a kind, oh, how lofty are his eyes, and his eyelids are raised in arrogance. There is a kind of man whose teeth are like swords, and his jaw teeth like knives, to devour the afflicted from the earth and the needy from among men. The leech has two daughters. Give, give. There are three things that will not be satisfied, four that will not say enough. Sheol, and the barren womb, earth that is never satisfied with water, and fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. There are three things which are too wonderful for me, four which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the middle of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Under three things the earth quakes, and under four it cannot bear up. Under a slave when he becomes king, and a fool when he is satisfied with food. Under an unloved woman when she gets a husband, and a maidservant when she supplants her mistress. Four things are small on the earth, 
but are exceedingly wise. The ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. The Shephanim are not mighty people, yet they make their houses on the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. The lizard you may grasp with the hands, yet it is in king's palaces. There are three things which are stately in their march, even four which are stately when they walk. The lion, which is mighty among beasts, and does not retreat before any. The strutting rooster, the male goat also, and a king when his army is with him. If you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have plotted evil, put your hand on your mouth. For the churning of milk produces butter, and pressing the nose brings forth blood. So the churning of anger produces strife. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to desire strong drink. For they will drink and forget what is decreed, and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing, and wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his trouble no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. An excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, 
her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the products of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. The Words of the Preacher, the Son of David, King in Jerusalem Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again. Blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north, the winds continue swirling along, and on its circular courses the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one might say, See this, it is new? Already it has existed for ages which were before us. There is no remembrance of earlier things, and also of the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my mind to know wisdom, and to know madness and folly. I realized that this also is striving after wind. Because in much wisdom there is much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. Congratulations, we completed another book of the Bible today. We have finished the Proverbs. We're moving into the Ecclesiastes of Solomon. So let's wrap up the Proverbs by looking at a few select ones from what we read today. So from chapter 28, verse 4 is one that really stood out to me. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive with them. That reminds me of what's going on in the governments today. You see so much evil and corruption. Good is bad, bad is good going on. And that just seems so familiar right now.
Verse 6 is another one. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. Same thing. There's really the people in charge are rich and they are corrupt. And it is better to be poor and have integrity. Is it possible to have both? To be rich and have integrity? I'm sure it is, but it's drawing an illustration here that one outweighs the other. It is better to have the integrity and the faith and the honesty than to be wealthy and corrupt. Verse 9 kind of scares me a little bit. He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Why? Why would his prayer be an abomination to the Lord? Well, I mean, consider what he's doing. He's turning his ears away from the law. He's ignoring the law. He is disregarding it. And then he has the audacity to pray to God. God established the law. And so your actions are in defiance to God. And yet you pray to him in your hypocrisy. So that's what the problem is here, is you are being a hypocrite. And God does not like people being double-minded or fakers. He does not like fakers. Verse 21. To show partiality is not good, because for a piece of bread a man will transgress. People don't need a lot of motivation to sin, right? I mean, we all do it. We try to tell ourselves that we are justified, or, well, let me just do it this one time, or, oh, God's not going to notice, or even worse, I know God is going to forgive me, and so I'm just going to abuse his grace, and that is not something that we should be doing. So we don't want to be this person who shows partiality. We don't want to pick favorites. We don't want to favor one people over another. That is not acceptable. It will betray you because your loyalties are apparently very shallow. I've heard it like, he would slit his mama's throat for a nickel. Well, I mean, that's a really bad analogy, but it gets the point that your loyalty doesn't come at much of a price. And so if your loyalty is that cheap, then it's not that worthwhile, you know? Chapter 29 deals mostly with stubbornness of spirit. We don't want to be in that bracket. But there are many signs of people who are stubborn. Like the very first verse, a man who hardens his neck. Do not resist the Lord. That's the important thing to note here. We should not be resisting God's instruction in our lives, because then we are fools, and the fools just get destroyed. Verse 23, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. We know this, it is all over the Bible, that God loves the humble and exalts them. God strikes down the proud and the arrogant. God is the only one that should have, be calling the shots. And if we have to compete our egos with him, there's something very wrong. Verse 25 is similar to it. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. And how is this related? Well, you I mean, to trust in the Lord, you have to submit yourself to him. It takes an act of humility to trust in the Lord. That is putting someone else in charge of you and putting your actions under somebody else's care. 
And, but that's really what God has told us to do from the very beginning. This is the posture he wants us to have. The fear of man brings a snare. It's a trap. Because people are going to always disappoint you. And they are fallible, just like you. They will fail, they will make mistakes, and they are not always out for your best interest. So don't forget that. Chapter 30 is interesting because we don't really know who this is. It says the words of Agur, the son of Jakeh, the oracle. This is the only place in the Bible where we see this person's name. We don't know who he is. Now, early rabbis and church fathers identify this as Solomon, but really we have no proof of this. This is just a guess. So I'm not going to say it's Solomon because I don't know. But there's some really interesting pieces of wisdom here. But out of this portion here, some of the most important things that you can read are like verse 5. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. How can we trust God? How do we know God is someone we can be confident in? Well, because every word of God has been tested, and he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. In addition, the Bible warns very clearly, do not add or take away God's words, or there's a special punishment for that. We do not want to be doing that because God is all truth. And if we try to prove him wrong, we will always be wrong. You always oppose the truth. You will always fail. Then we start seeing a series of Proverbs that are called the numerical Proverbs because they mention certain things like so many number of these things do this, but it's trying to teach a point. So, like it says in verse 15, the leech has two daughters, give and give. Leeches just suck the life out of you. And then it mentions three things that are what will not satisfy you, four things that will not say enough, and then it describes those. And it talks about things that we don't understand that are too wonderful for me. Agur is describing all of these in order to illustrate some deeper wisdom, and there are some very significant stories to talk about here, but it will take far too long to break them down. Just for one small thing in verse 28, the lizard you may grasp with the hands, yet it is in king's palaces. This one is very different of a translation from other translations. This one I'm not too sure about which one is completely accurate here, but regardless of what conclusion we bring, the lesson is still the same. So let's not fret too much about it. But the reason why I say this is because the word for lizard and spider are almost the same thing in Hebrew. And so if you look at the King James Version, it will say the spider grabs with the hands, yet is in king's palaces. But my version says the lizard is in king's palaces and you may grasp it with the hand. Very different understandings here. But is it a spider or is it a lizard? I mean, they're very different things in nature. I'm not really sure what to make of that. But what I thought was interesting is that the translation for those two things are very different. My Hebrew is not good enough to where I can make a distinct 
difference between them. So I cannot tell you which is correct or not. And lastly, we come to chapter 31 of Proverbs, which is the words of King Lemuel. Again, this is somebody we don't know. King Lemuel is either a character for this particular proverb, or he was a real person. And we don't know if this is somebody we have not seen in the Bible, as in he's not a king of Israel or Judah, because they're all chronicled that are the kings. But they may be one of the kings, and that's just one of their, like a nickname or a pet name or a name of affection from a mother or something like that. So some say it's Solomon, but we don't really know. For what, what I liked about this was we see through the beginning of the Proverbs, we see a father speaking to his son about how he should and should not be. And what I liked is that it ends on a note with what the mother is saying to their child. And I thought that was important to note because the instruction comes from both father and mother. And the mother has some very good things to say here. Things like, do not be a drunkard, do not trust in women, do not be a king of injustice, and very good things like that. And then we come to a very famous passage of scripture, verses 10 through 31. Husbands, I highly caution you not to use this as a basis to compare your wife to this biblical woman. This is definitely the description of the most worthy woman. But in addition, in the Hebrew, this is an acrostic, where every line is one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. We don't know if this is part of King Lemuel's story, or if this is just the ending of the book of Proverbs. But either way, it's a very good section to see what a fruitful woman looks like. And there's some very good things about them, but if you notice, like it says at the very last couple of verses, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. The true value of a woman is not what she looks like. The world idolizes women for that and sexualizes them and treats them like objects, but really what values a woman is who they are on the inside. And we see that also in the Proverbs as well about how bad a contentious woman is for a relationship. And again, husbands, this is not something you should be judging your wife against, because all that will just do is upset her. The Bible is convicting enough that if she reads it or hears it, that she may be convicted on her own. You won't need to push her into this. And if she falls short in something that this woman is doing, you're just going to make your wife feel bad. So be very careful how you use this. The Word of God will not fail, and it is the highest authority on earth. But at the same time, there is a proper way to use it. And boys, do not put yourself in the doghouse over this, please. All of these values are internal. So we can summarize this whole thing by saying that the key to a beautiful woman is her character, and most importantly, her spiritual life. Because if we learned anything so far, our spiritual life will determine our character. 
a godly woman who fears the Lord. That is the pinnacle of a beautiful woman. And this is only fitting that we end on this note, because we saw at Proverbs chapter 1 that the book begins with stressing the importance of the reverence of God, and it ends on the same note, that a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. The fear of the Lord being the most important thing. That's how we should begin and end our life, through the fear of the Lord. So we get all pumped up with the Proverbs, right? And then we go into the book of Ecclesiastes, and at a glance, Ecclesiastes is such a downer. It is so depressing when you see it from a surface level. The Ecclesiastes was not written by Solomon, but it was someone who was listening to Solomon. Because it says these are the words of the preacher. The preacher is Solomon. Someone who was listening to his sermon was writing this all down. And it says the preacher is the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And then it mentions in verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. There are only two kings in all of history that were king of Israel from Jerusalem, and that is David and Solomon. And if he's the son of David, that has to be Solomon. Not only that, but it says that I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom. Like he says in verse 16, I said to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were ever over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. That perfectly describes Solomon. It has to be him. And what is his summation so far of everything that is going on in the world? It's all vanity. It is all meaningless. It is all useless, worthless. Really depressing. At a glance, it will look like that. But he's trying to make a point here. He hasn't made it yet, which is why it doesn't make sense yet. But he's reaching a conclusion soon as to everything in life is meaningless, but then the other half of that is without God. Everything is meaningless without God, because God is what gives value and purpose and beauty to things. But if you're one of those people like me who likes to know the inner depths of what's going on here in the Bible, especially on the aspect of science, if you read verses 6 through 7, there's two things that you discover here. One is that the wind has a circular course. It has a circuit. The wind does indeed flow in a patterned circuit. And this wasn't discovered until the 1900s. So that's really neat. And then secondly, it describes how the rivers never get full because they return to the place where they flowed. So through the water cycle. So this was understood from the old times. And the last thing to say on this is, in verse 9, if you're really thinking about it, he says that there is nothing new under the sun. Verse 10, is there anything of which one may say, see this, this is new, already has existed for ages, which were before us. He's not talking about technology. He's talking about why things are the way they are. The patterns, the monotony, the reoccurring themes, 
the cycles that continue in human nature. He's noticing these patterns, and he wants to figure out why they're there and how can we break them. And there's only one answer to that, and that's God. He's going to make that point. It's going to take him a couple of chapters, but he's getting there. Give him a chance. At first, it seems very depressing, but he, he what he's saying is extremely valuable. And that's all that I have for today. We will continue on with Ecclesiastes starting tomorrow. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.